The Ryan Reese Show from Southern California. This is The Ryan Reese Show. Post your questions using at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Are you ready? All right. I am excited about this Saturday night show. Um, as you guys know, I traveled to the Philippines, and this is one of the shows that we got to do uh, here in um, Tagatai. Tagatai, Philippines, and we're actually at Calvary Chapel, um, Tagatai, with uh, Pastor Tony Reyes. But also within it, there is a student ministry called CBI, which is Calvary Bible Institute. And we've been touring, invading the schools with a great commission, seeing thousands of people get saved, these students. And we have uh, been part of the, the, the church here, and they do church planning. But I got to hang out. Um, with some of the students and in this particular show I'm going to split the show um, with the husband and the wife but we're going to start with Kate Um, and you're actually out here as a student from New Jersey yes okay well I I heard your testimony when we were hanging out so I thought it was important to, to get in because I don't think I've ever had a story like yours on my show in the last seven years so I think it's going to be awesome and it's going to encourage people because your story is so relevant to uh, what students are going through uh, globally. Um, it, it's going to hit home on many. So I'm, we're just going to get into it. So let's start with um, you growing up out in, in New Jersey and take me through some of the twists and turns with you and your family to get you to this point where you're, tra- you're a missionary or a student out here in stinking Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so I grew up in New Jersey, um, you know, Jackson, New Jersey. It's a small town. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so I grew up in a Christian household, but um, it was also a very broken home right. as well. So my dad um, struggled his whole life with uh addiction and substance abuse and because of that um he was kind of in and out all throughout my life for 20 years the 20 years that him and my mom were married um he would relapse over and over again um even though he had made a profession of faith um, was was he at that time? Was he like reading the Bible too? Like would go through phases where he's reading the Bible, he's going to church, and then all of a sudden he just disappears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly it. So I rem- I have memories of when I was a child of him opening the Bible mm. and sitting us all down and saying, "Okay, like let's go through it." And um, he really was an amazing dad when he was around. He was kind, friendly, attentive. Like he worked hard when yeah, he was there. Yeah. Like he mm. did all the things you would think to um, kind of you know, like I had a great childhood when he was there Mm -hmm. and then he would disappear. Yeah. And I was like, oh, where, you know, where is he? Yeah. Yeah. And you're Um, just a little kid growing up and you don't, you don't really understand, um, how this addiction has been, um, affecting him. Yeah. Exactly. And was your wife, not your wife, your uh, (laughs) mom, was she communicating that with you that he was struggling with some stuff or? Um, no. And, um, I, I don't think she knew how to, I, I, mm. she did her very best to try to protect me and all my Shield siblings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So awesome. she would kind of, um, not talk about it as much as possible because she knew how much it hurt us. Absolutely. Yeah. So now growing up in this environment, um, how did, uh, so you obviously you were having this going on all the way through uh, high school and to college. Now, were you, um, did you, were you, did you have a relationship with God through this whole process? Um, 
Yeah, I think so. Like I grew up in church yeah. and um, actually when I remember giving, you know, a profession of faith, you know, deciding that Jesus is my savior yeah. um, was the the time period that my mom had actually decided to divorce my father because, mm -hmm. you know, enough was enough. I was uh, going into sixth grade and it was my first summer that my mom was going to send me to like a sleepaway Christian camp. Mm. And so I heard the gospel message presented there and specifically um, heard that God is my heavenly father. He's my perfect father mm. who's never going to leave me or forsake me. And that struck a chord with me. Um, I was like, wow, like I want that. I want to be a child of, you know, God mm. and I want to be his daughter. And so from that point on, um, I was, even though I was already in church from that point on, I desired to know the Lord more and more. I desired to read the Bible and go to youth group and serve in the ministries and go on all the mission trips, like everything I wanted it. Mm. Yeah, yeah no, that's awesome. Okay, so as you were growing up through all this stuff, there was there was a couple of events that uh, started changing when you got into college. Yeah, yeah. So um, right before, you know, starting in high school, I um, was really struggling, right, with um, the fact that I knew God was real. I believed Jesus was my Savior, but I still felt the brokenness yeah. that I was living in. Right. And I didn't know how to reconcile those things. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how he could be real and how I could st still be in so much pain. Right. And so um, I started partying. Um, I started drinking. I started, um, you know, hanging out with a lot of boys, like looking for affection and mm -hmm. attention. And the that fatherless. Way. Yeah. So you're looking for the, yeah. and this is a common story <laughs> with fatherless daughters. Exactly. Exactly. I wanted love and affection and attention and approval. And, um, and I was a really shy kid. So when I started drinking, I became really fun right. and I was like, wow, this is great. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, I can, you know, be fun at a party and not constantly be worried about what I'm saying and what people think of me. Yeah. And so that, um, when I went away to college that, um, got, uh, it just got deeper. I got deeper into drinking, partying. Mm -hmm. Um, I got into a really bad relationship that lasted five years and, um, when I was in college, there was just, there was less accountability, right? So yeah. I was away from my youth group family, yep. my pastor, my mentor. Yep. Um, I was away from, you know, my mom, my family, like everything that was kind of pulling me back, um, was gone. Mm -hmm. And I just like dove deep, like headfirst into, yeah. um, darkness really. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, uh, with that, I, um, I got to the point you know, in my junior year of college that I had gotten so far into it that I, um, was dependent on, I was dependent on my, my drug of choice at the time was marijuana, mm -hmm. but I was at that point looking for any substance that I could be high with. Right. And, and why is that? Like, what was it because you just were, you didn't want to think about your past or was it just like you like being under the influence at this point? Um, at that point, uh, I just liked being under the influence. I, it was easier. It was harder to be in my right mind than it was to be high. Like I didn't, like I knew, I, I knew, I know that feeling. <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah. You yeah. get so used to being not in your normal mind yeah. and it's uncomfortable to be in your normal mind. Yeah. It was really uncomfortable because when I was in my right mind, 
all of a sudden, like all the schoolwork I wasn't doing came up. All of the people that I was hurting mm-hmm. was real. To, to turn your brain yeah. off, basically. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. it. I, I know that exact feeling. Yeah. So now you're in college. Yeah. You're, you can't be doing well. No, no, no. <laughs> um, what, were, what was the turning point or what, what, yeah, what was the turning point in your college that started changing the course of your life? Um, well, I How'd always you find God. Basically? Yeah. Yeah. That's so I always, um, I never denied a believing in Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I had that foundation that I had set far before I like started down this path. Mm-hmm. And so as things got worse and darker and I started to hate myself more and more mm-hmm. and like there started to be less light and like mm-hmm. less, um, of like God started to, I guess, like remove that grace from me. And mm. I was just like, it, like moving in a darker and darker path. And, um, were you I, ever suicidal? Yeah. Yeah. There were times where, Thoughts um, of suicide. yeah, yeah. Like one time specifically I was driving to school and I was uh, very close to just driving my car off the wow. highway and into a pole. I, I wanted to very badly, but you know, God, God, gave me grace and he allowed me to, you know, get through that moment, not because of my own, you know, will, but he just, he, you know, was, has always been pursuing me. But, um, as those times got darker, I remember a few things that like real, that helped me realize like how far from myself I had gotten. And, and one of those times was actually, um, I had brought my younger brother Mm -hmm. to a party and he's like, seven years younger than me and just I love him like with all my heart like I you know watched him every day after school like I felt like he's in no way my son but like I have like very motherly affection toward him and and so I brought him to a party where there was drinking and drug use but it was just you know it was just weed like that my thinking at the time was like oh it's just a little bit of weed like he doesn't even smoke weed like he's drinking's no big deal so um he got like really, really drunk, like very, very bad. And I started being really scared that he, you know, like that he had drank like too much. Like I was like, oh no, what position did I put him in? And then, um, you know, I fell asleep, he fell asleep. And the people that were there at the party started um, smoking crack there. Oh, actually, shoot. Particularly, this party changed quickly. Yeah, yeah. It got real dark. <laughs> um, and it was actually my boyfriend at the time. Okay. Which I didn't know he did things yeah. like that. And then he actually got my cousin, my younger cousin, who I also brought to the party, to smoke crack with him. Oh, my And so I goodness. wake up and find out what happened, and I was devastated. I was just like, how could I put these people that I love so much, like in such an awful position, like awful. And so God started just opening my eyes to how dark things had gotten. And then around that same time, I was also deeply depressed, you know, as we talked about, um, anxious. And I, um, started thinking that I was going crazy as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would have like panic attacks, Mm -hmm. even walking into class, I wouldn't be able to go into the class without having a panic attack and then leaving. And because of that, I was failing all of my classes as well. Um, let's, let's unpack, uh, feeling crazy. Like you literally, like, you could not control your mind, basically. Yes, yeah. I did not know what thoughts were real or true, and I couldn't stop thinking the thoughts that were, like, driving me, like, like crazy. Like, yeah. they, I couldn't yeah. stop thinking. Yeah. Like, I couldn't 
stop the thoughts or control the thoughts mm -hmm. or redirect them or figure out what was right or wrong. It was awful. So was we like, know that yeah. the Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. And he's the condemner. Mm -hmm. I think he puts thoughts in our mind. In the same way as the Holy Spirit can give us thoughts, mm -hmm. Satan, when you're not, when you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you're like free reign yeah. to pick up the signals from uh, Satan. And in the Bible, it says, uh, beware of the, the fiery arrows that he shoots at us. Mm -hmm. it's, these, it's these in our minds. This is why we have to put on the full armor of God the helmet, the breastplate. You know, we have the word that's a sort of spirit to fight off the, the devil. But you are just. You were like armorless yeah. and like an antenna just picking up the signals from the father of lies. Yeah. And your mind was completely destroyed because Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's stealing your life by getting you cooked on drugs and then he's just ruining your mind. Yeah. So how did you, what happened at this point? So you feel like you're going crazy, you're failing, what happened? Yeah, so um, in that moment, uh, or in, you know, those darkest moments, in one of those darkest moments. Yeah, there was many, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, there were many yeah. dark moments, but in one of them, um, I was on my college campus, actually, and, like, it was a beautiful, like, bright, sunny day, and it was on, like, one of the parts of the campus that's, like, a grassy hill, and all, like, the students are walking around, and inside of me is, like, like a raging fire of, like, destruction. Like, it's, like dark and so in this moment i just dropped to my knees like on the grassy hill in front of all these students probably thinking like well, what is she doing and i asked god to save me from myself mm -hmm. you know a lot um like a lot of this time like growing up I, I had always felt like the victim like a victim of my father leaving me a victim yeah. of you know everybody and everything right and i had finally in that moment realized that um it was um I was a sinner. I was in need of salvation, and I had sinned continuously and in horrible ways against, you know, a mighty God. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment, I asked him to save me from myself, from my sin, and, um, and he responded, like he did, like he was faithful to do that, yeah. right? Um, he, so when, when, yeah. you, when you asked him to forgive you your sins... What was there? Did you have an encounter with him or did you say a prayer? How did you know that this prayer worked? Um, was that the, a transformation process? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So in that moment, I submitted myself to him. I was like, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Yeah, okay. I'm done. That's the start point. Yeah. yeah. So in that moment, I was like, whatever I got to do. One of the... Um, one of the things that followed immediately after that was, you know, I knew I was like off in my head, right? So right. I went to like the school psychologist and I was like, hey, like I need some like psychology person. Like I need a counselor. I need like my head is going crazy. I hear voices. And then they like did like one of those like sheets with me. Mm -hmm. And they're like, before we like give you, you know, a regular counselor, like you definitely need to sit down with our drug and alcohol counselor every week. Right. Cause at that point I hadn't even realized that I had had an addiction. Right. Like, and it was, and it was God's grace that he like allowed just even these people that were not Christians mm -hmm. to point me in a direction of like, okay, like you need to like yeah. remove the substance abuse yeah. from your life. And most people yeah. don't even realize cause yeah. when you're addicted and you're in this party life, we'll just say, you don't even realize you're addicted because this is just kind of like, oh, I could quit anytime. And yeah. that's part of the deception. I'm not an alcoholic. No. 
I've stopped the day before. Yeah, yeah. It took me a, a very long time to admit that I had a problem, but it was by the help of the drug and alcohol counselor. Really, yeah. she like helped me walk through it. Perfect. It was great, but, um, but what about the mind? How'd yes. you get the mind back? Because if if you don't have no mind, <laughs> you're no good. Yeah. So that um, God, it, it was a slow process. Like you know, it, it probably was like a good like six months to a year. Mm. And like, he's still working on us every day, right? Like the process of sanctification, but, um, he restored my mind through mainly through, um, you know, Christians coming into my life, like coming around me, Mm -hmm. uh, like encouraging me, keeping me accountable. But one of the big things was I started reading my Bible again Mm -hmm. and I would spend hours just reading, like reading in Genesis, reading in anything. I didn't even know what to read. I just opened it up and I would read for hours and hours and, uh, and he renewed my mind through that. He really did. Like, I just started seeking him again, like I did when I was a brand new Christian, like wanting to know him and wanting to, um, wanting him to, like, heal me, like believing that he could yeah. fix. Yeah, by faith, yeah. Like, that he could give me life again, mm-hmm. that it wasn't these other things that would give me life, like, you know, men or, you know, drugs, like numbing myself, any kind of the, all these comforts that I was constantly seeking. Um, I knew now that he was the life giver. So I just started reading his word and surrounding myself with Christians. I think of a couple of verses, iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens a friend. Mm-hmm. That's the fellowship. They came around you and encouraged you. They gave you the word of God, which is God's voice. You've read it and it does. You, the Bible says you become a new creation in Christ. All the old things will pass away and all things will become brand new. Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to give life abundantly. And I know because uh, when you were saying that about your mind, I had a friend that did too much crystal meth and lost his mind. He thought he was Jimi Hendrix, reincarnated. And like, he was like gone. (laughs) And you know what we did? Or my parents did. They put him, um, I wasn't around, but they ended up having him listen to Bible studies every day. Mm -hmm. And he became a pastor. Wow. So it, the word does, it's the power of God in your yeah. life. So your testimony, I, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so here you go. You got restored, your yeah. mind. Yeah. So then, um, now what was the, um, so we only have 11 minutes left. So how did you get to the Philippines? <laughs> so, yeah. and you got married. So can you, can you give me. From that point, what happened to lead you to this point in your life? Yeah. To being sold out for Christ? Yeah. So, so um, uh, around that time, I was uh, finishing college, and I just needed one more internship to mm. finish my degree. Mm. Um, in and, what? In uh, public policy. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I was still in a situation at home that was very... Um, not good for the growth of a young Christian, mm-hmm. right? So I, there was a lot of people drinking around me, a lot of my old friends, family that still wanted to party with me, all of that. So, oh, after you just lost your mind, people still want to party. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got you to gotta appreciate that. Yeah. To this day, <laughs> much of my family thinks I was overreacting. Yeah. <laughs> so. Because they see you in your sane mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, she was just overreacting. That's yeah. Right. So, um, so I started looking for internships um, at, like, different churches and uh, Christian organization, somewhere where I could leave the situation yeah. that I was living in and, and be able to graduate. And so um, I reached out to my um, the man that was my youth pastor mm-hmm. um, when I was, you know, sixth grade through high school. And I asked him if, and he knew kind of what God had been doing in my life mm-hmm. in, in those recent months. And 
Um, and so I told him what I was looking for, and he got back to me by the grace of God because he should not have given me the chance that he gave me yeah. because I was still so, like, you know. Raw. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he offered for me to um, have an internship at his church writing the child protection policy because they didn't have one. And, um, and he said, while you're doing that this summer, you can stay with me and my family. Cause his wife had been my mentor my whole life. Mm -hmm. I knew, I knew them both very well. And so I was like, yes, that's amazing. Like, thank God. And so, um, I moved in with them for that summer and I ended up staying there for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Um, and they came around me and really loved me. They were my spiritual family and that whole church is a small church. Um, maybe like no more than 200 people and they just all loved me back to life like they were the hands and feet of Jesus and they discipled me and you know sat through like nights of crying and like confusion because I was just coming out of a long like many years of just destroying my mind and body and they helped me through that and so while I was at that church um, I actually met Anthony my husband um, he was uh, a, what's it called, an overseer for U-Turn for Christ. So that means he went through the program, U-Turn uh, for Christ, which is a discipleship addiction recovery program for men. We love U-Turn for Christ, by the way. Yes, yes, we do. And so he went through the program, graduated, and then he stayed on as an overseer. And so part of their program was to go to different churches and serve. Um, and he came to my church once a week. And so after like a year of him coming to my church, the woman who, one of the women at my church who was mentoring me and also worked with the U-Turn for Christ guys was like, Kate, I have this guy for you. A He's what? perfect for you. And I was like, Evie. <laughs> at the time I was dating somebody else, but it was- Oh, it was, <laughs> one of those stories. No, no, but it was yes. um, like a very- I like your, uh, now I like him even more. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And I was like, Evie, like, I'm not looking for, like, anything right now. Like, I'm, you know, seeing if this thing over here will work out. But I'm it not didn't. single and I'm not mingling. Yeah, like, I'm not you? mingling. <laughs> but, um, but shortly after that, a few months later, yeah. like, she introduced us. But a few months later, I, you know, me and the other guy, like, realized we weren't a good fit. We were, like, you know, it wasn't. We were still in ministry together. Yeah, it, it, just, just, it just wasn't. Yeah. Right? It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a good fit. And then Anthony was around and. He was still coming every week, right? And then Evie texted me one day, and she's like, hey, Anthony is here. Or you turned for Christ is here. And I was like, oh. And then I just, like, kind of, like, jogged over to the church. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, hey, what's up? And then we started talking. And, um, you know, and we both have a heart for God, a heart for ministry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wanted to go into full-time ministry, both of us. And we just, you know, ended up getting married. And, you know, wanting, so both of our hearts were to be in full-time ministry. And he, like, even before we got engaged or anything, he told me, he's like, hey, like, I really want to be a missionary. Like, is that something you would be into? And I'm like, yes, I definitely want to do that. Um, because that was my heart, too. Like, even when I first started walking with the Lord, um, I heard this missionary uh, come speak at a Calvary Chapel in Howell. And I was, he was a missionary to the Middle East. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I want to do. How do I go there right now? But I was like too fresh. Like I was yeah. too raw still. Yeah. And um, it was funny because at the time, um, his like whole slideshow had broken. And so the only like slide that was up throughout his whole entire talk, and it had nothing to do with his, like what he spoke about, mm. was um, the words, the big words, 
uh, it's not time yet. And so I felt like that was a message yeah. from God saying like, mm-hmm. you know, wait, yeah. like yep. you can't do it now. You're not ready. But like, mm-hmm. you know, you have this desire for a reason. That's and good so- that you picked up that signal because <laughs> a lot of people jump the gun as yeah. we all, I mean, yeah. we're all guilty of like, we get hung, we, we get in fire. We want to go and do it, but yeah. it's all about timing. Yeah. As you know. Yeah. But, um, exactly. And so, um, Anthony and I, like even, you know, before we started dating and while we were dating, while we were engaged, while we were married, we were just serving in our church, like mm-hmm. trying to grow in faithfulness, yep. trying to grow mm-hmm. in discipline, yep. allowing ourselves to be discipled mm-hmm. by the people around us. Like, um, and you know, so we've served in many ministries. We've been leaders in many ministries and, we just always had the desire to be more fully devoted to God, like as much as we can, like giving as much of our lives, as much as, as much as our, of our like time, talents and treasures as we possibly could. Mm -hmm. And so, um, God like opened this door for us here in the Philippines, I think because he had already done a lot of work in us in growing us in discipline and faithfulness and, you know, allowing us to be under leadership and, um, you know, just like all the regular routines of life, Mm -hmm. like being faithful in those things. Yeah, absolutely. And And that's what counts. Yeah. Because it's, you know, when, when I got here, I give a message around the Sunday about character, right? Mm -hmm. It's about character. It's about not only desire, but about discipline. God, if you don't, if you have a desire, but you're not disciplined, um, God's a God of order, yeah. right? So if you're not disciplined and you're not putting the time in and your character stinks, how's God going to use you? Yeah. He, he's not going to use you to be a, a, an <laughs> instrument for him to use to be a, a mouthpiece or like a, a face for him to impact people if, you're, if you just stink at life, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, so exactly. that's awesome how God slowly started building that in you. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it's beautiful, right? Because like in the moment we get really, both me and Anthony, we're both like frustrated, like, okay, like when can we, you know, be missionaries? When can we, you know, be in full-time ministry? Like when are like all these desires for God going to like come to fruition? And, um, and in moments we were like disappointed, right? And we would see, like, these potential opportunities and, like, go for them. And they would just close, like, door after door after door. And then um, here, this opportunity to be at CBI in the Philippines, um, it opened up. And God just made a way. Like, door after door for this opportunity just kept opening. Like, we got the funding. And we were able to save. And we were able to... um, not only just be here, like doing ministry, doing mission work alongside CBI and Pastor Tony, um, but also we're like we're students. We're learning. We're mm-hmm. learning under under missionaries and under pastors and under teachers, so that like we don't have like a background in seminary or Bible college. So be so this opportunity in a, in and of itself is like even more incredible because now we're able to like be on the ground learning how to do full-time missions while we're like, you know, like learning all, all of the other good exactly. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. You guys are on the ground doing it. And you know what? Just to encourage you, we're always learning. Yeah. You know, we've been doing mission for 14 years and we're always learning. And, and, the thing about learning is you got to be open to the Holy Spirit for different seasons and different chapters. 
because he, he likes to change things up. It's like that potter on the wheel that I was talking about is that like in Jeremiah, the potter has the, 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 the instrument that he's, tr- the clay that he's trying to create a, a vessel. And then he's going to, if it doesn't turn out the way he wants it, he's going to smash it and remold it. But I've experienced that what he does is he makes you an instrument for a certain season and then he breaks it down, remolds you. You go through some like <laughs> the fire and remolds you and he shapes you into a new instrument for different seasons. And I look back from like I was doing music festivals to doing after school events to speaking in rehabs and teaching the Bible weekly. These were all different chapters and I was a different instrument in different seasons. But what's awesome is every season you go through that what you've learned you carry to the next season and you just keep it's like more gifts more talents and it keeps developing you and it gives you only as much as you can handle per season yeah and it's just awesome so we're, we're done because this breaks up and i'm bringing your uh, husband in <laughs> and now i'm gonna see if it's true now from him <laughs> no, just joking. it's awesome i'm excited uh, to have you guys but you guys you know just for the record we i have personally think you guys are awesome um you guys are the real deal um, just cause I like to feel people on just hang with them, but mm-hmm. you guys are, you guys are legit and, Thanks, and it's, it's an honor to know you guys. And thank you for, for being on my radio show and sharing your story. Cause it's going to encourage many. Um, it's, it's very relatable to many, many students, college, high school, and even middle school students yeah. globally. So we're going to be going to a break in a minute. Uh, don't forget to go to the YouTube channel, Ryan Reese official, click subscribe, like, and uh, share. And there's many, many more uh, years of radio shows of all different kinds of people. Go to the whosoevers.com, book us to come, bring the great commission to your school and your church. And also, I have a book. It's called Kill the Noise. And it's everywhere where books are sold. It's a discipleship, faith builder book. You will find your call as you read this. You will see how God works with ordinary people and He does extraordinary things. I love you guys, and we'll be back in two minutes with Anthony, the husband. Don't miss this. He's crazy. (laughs) More of The Ryan Reese Show coming up. Post your questions at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, and or Facebook. Now back back to The Ryan Reese Show. All right, we are back from the Philippines. We're here at Calvary Chapel Oh my gosh, I messed up the name. What, what's the name again? Tagai Tai. Tagai Tai. Tagai Tai. And if you just turned in, I had uh, uh, I had Kate in studio, and now I have her husband Anthony Savasta, and her story was incredible. But you're gonna have to go and subscribe to my YouTube channel to get the full story. But get after it. But today, and now this last half, we're gonna get into your story because your story is quite difference but yet god brought you guys together to meet later on on in life and now you guys are here cbi students in the philippines so amazing radical story but you're an east coaster so we're bringing the east coast and the west coast together on this interview uh but you grew up out in new jersey uh no i actually uh i grew up in staten island I was oh born, staten island born okay. in brooklyn yeah right right okay that's right you're you're in the city more um so as you were growing up, kind of like, what was the what was the vibe out there? Because I know it's a lot different than out on the West Coast. You guys are more of the city life. Yeah, yeah, completely different um, from New Jersey, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so predominantly Catholic. I didn't know any Christians growing up. Really? Um, yeah, not practicing. I was not practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my uh, communion. I was baptized, yep. but I, I never did my confirmation. But uh, yeah, predominantly Catholic. Definitely way different. More city vibes. Um, 
not like Jersey at all. Mm -hmm. Um, even just like, you know, the people I hung around, the way we dressed, um, the things that we even glorified, the movies, completely different from uh, where I'm at now in New Jersey. Right. Yeah. So, um, you grown up Catholic, um, growing up in, in Staten Island, what was the vibe on the streets? Like what was, what was, I guess, what was your vibe growing up? What was your experiences just from the neighborhood and, and the influence? Yeah. So that's what creates you and turns you into who you are, you know, as you're an adult. Absolutely. And even as a Christian, right? God right. uses all things. Yeah. Uh, originally growing up, I was, believe it or not, a skater, but it wasn't skateboarding. It was uh, roller, rollerblading. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that kind of died out and I got into BMX a little bit. So at an early age, I was into like alternative music. I used mm -hmm. to wear the Jenko jeans, mm -hmm. kick all those types of uh, types of things. Yeah. Um, you know, until I was like about 13 and then uh, I got introduced to my friends in the neighborhood and that just, I was just captured by like hanging out. I was just captured by the streets. And, and in my opinion, that was my first addiction. What, what was, what was it though from like the streets? Like what, what made you want to hang out more? Like what captivated you? Uh, of it? We were just knuckleheads, you know what I oh, mean? Yeah, I know. Just running around like maniacs, <laughs> doing stupid things. I was always the guy throwing glass bottles, taking things an extra mile, uh, hanging out all day, all night, just meeting up at the schoolyard, playing handball, drinking, partying. Yeah. You know, obviously it started off small and then it progressed. Right. But uh, if there was if there was a formula for somebody who's gonna you know get into the bad stuff or, or get into addiction, it was me. Like I fit that bill big mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it didn't it didn't really start like that. It was just kind of more of like the lifestyle. And then uh, this was like up to like high school ish. Yeah, yeah, it didn't sound like that. Um, I, I was smoking pot and drinking probably at like 13. Um, fighting was a big part of my past. I was arrested a lot for fighting, um, you know, just getting into all types of trouble and um, <clears throat> that sort of thing. Um, and then, I, yeah, I, I went to high school, obviously, but I was still, you know, um, I was still a maniac, you know, right, pretty right. much. We, we would glorify all the wrong things, uh, you know. We know, like as Christians, it's an upside down kingdom. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we looked up to, you know, all the wrong movies. We thought yeah. like, you know, even now to today, people in, uh, you know, surrounding areas of New York think they're in like a 24 hour rap video. Right. Yeah. Like it's just like the perception is totally twisted and, and the mindset is totally upside down. Uh, I thought I was like um, going to be like this big time drug dealer or eventually just like get out of that lifestyle and buy a house and all that stupidness uh, as a kid. And, so that was uh, the mentality. Basically sell drugs, make a lot of money, yeah, and retire. I thought I was the toughest person on earth. Everybody around me thought we were the toughest people on earth. Right. Meanwhile, I was just a knucklehead little kid right. uh, that didn't know better. And nobody could tell me otherwise. It didn't matter who you were. I was on probation, cops. Uh, you know, even uh, where I grew up, it was, you know, there was the mob, wise guys, stuff like that. But I really didn't care about anything mm -hmm. but uh, just doing me, like getting mine, I guess you would say. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, and then when you're when you're hanging out in that environment, that's the influence. And you know what's funny is as you're saying these things to me, you're like, yeah, that's just the way it was back then. Well, it's today. That's what we glorify. When you look on Instagram, I mean, mm -hmm. people walking around knocking knocking people out cold street. And a lot of stuff was in New York. Boom, in the city, yeah, they're knocking yeah. people out. You see that stuff on the on the on the cameras that are in the city, um, or they're filming it in the schools or beating people up. Uh, drugs is a thing. It's legal. They're slanging. They're showing their all their money. Uh, you know. It, Nothing new under the sun, the Bible says, right? Absolutely, yeah. So what was, the, what, was the, what was the pivotal point for you? I mean, was there any things that started like, any serious things that started happening in your life that started changing the course of your life? Because right now at this point, you're selling drugs, you're on the street, you're, you're you know, I, I know us hanging out, you're a funny guy, you're a charismatic guy, you're like, you're, you remind me actually of one of my really, one of my best friends that I used to hang out with before, you know, he passed away, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, you're a guy that wants to, 
party and hang out and just have a good time. Was there any, like, was there any changes in your life that started like, you know, you know, yeah, changing yeah. the course of your life basically? So from the outside looking in, um, you know, I looked, I was functioning, you know, I wasn't physically addicted to anything, yeah. you know, at an early age, we started smoking pot, we were drinking, we would take ecstasy on the weekends and it turned into every day. Right. We started getting into the after hour clubs in the city, limelight, uh, I didn't go to limelight, but the tunnel and exit and sound factory, yep, you know, going things. out at like five, six in the morning, not getting home till like two days later, but still functioning. Like, you know, I was very into how I looked, how I was perceived, the outfits, you know, just the whole New York style. Right. Yeah. Um, and that, that stood like that until I was about like 28 and I was physically dependent on drugs. But from the outside looking in, you know, where I grew up, the cool, the tougher you are, the more money you made, the more, the cool you were, the more, you know, you were looked at like you were that guy. So like, again, it's completely upside down what you're thinking. Um, so for a long period of time, you know, uh, I looked like I had it all together and there's actually a pro, uh, a Psalm, I think it's Psalm 73 where the guy's talking about, you know, why do these people look like they have it all together? Not walking with the Lord. They wear their Pride is their necklace. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then at the end of the psalm, it says, you know, those who are far from God will perish. Mm-hmm. And uh, the psalmist is right. And he's confused. He's like, why does it look like, you know, pestilence doesn't touch them. They have all this money. They're arrogant. They're prideful. That was straight up me. You mm-hmm. couldn't tell me anything. You couldn't tell me nothing. Um, you know, but it didn't stay that way. So, um, yeah, I got kicked out of like a bunch of high schools. I dropped out at an early age, um, which was probably one of the stupidest things I ever done. Um, and I, I got, I had a chance. I had so much opportunities that I just ruined. Uh, I was in the union. Um, I could have just, I could still be in the union. You know, I, I was making a, a good amount of money at a young age. Yep. And uh, for whatever reason, I got thrown out because I got in like, you know, not the correct way. Right. Gotcha. So, you know, the guy was like, yo, how'd you get in? Blah, 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 blah. The uh, inspector, they have inspectors of each union uh, delicate to make sure that, you know, there's no corruption. So I was like, I'm not going to answer any questions. And I just took all my money out. I took all my annuity out, my, my vacation pay. And I was like, I'm going to do this thing that I do on the side, right? Selling drugs, stuff like that, full time. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have the mentality even still to today. And God uses it like all in, like, you know, all yeah. or nothing. So when I, when I did that, it was just like no looking back. This is what I'm going to do. I get to hang out every day anyway. I don't have to worry about waking up in the morning. I could go out as much as I want. You know, but in it is brokenness. Sin, yep. it always overpromises and underdelivers. The wages of sin lead to death. Absolutely. And I didn't, I didn't know it. You know, at the time, all these things looked appealing to me. Less of the eyes, less of the fresh, yeah. the, the pride of life. Shiny objects, dude. But at the end of it, I was more broken than I was when I decided to do those things. I thought they were going to fulfill me. Yep. Never fulfilled me, never sustained me. And I identify, you know, with the, with the woman at the well. I was just never satisfied. Always chasing the next thing, the next thing. Then whether it was sneakers, I had. I think at one point I had like a hundred pair of sneakers. I was oh, a sneaker guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, always <laughs> the next thing. Uh, I lived in Miami, that whole deal. But it led to to darkness, and it really did. It progressed, and I fully believe that drugs. You know, uh, when you're on drugs, it diminishes. Um, the line between our realm and the spiritual realm yep. and things started to get dark, you know, mm-hmm. really, really dark for me, similar to my wife's story. And uh, speaking of that darkness, why don't you hit, hit on that darkness a little bit so people that are listening can understand how dark that darkness was when you were like, okay, wow, it's getting dark. Yeah. So, you know, there's things that gone through, uh, that happened throughout my life that are just insane, but in them, they were laughable. It's like, Oh, I've been in a car that's rolled over. Like, ha ha ha, I'm fine. But even now we know how sick that's those specific things are and, uh, fights and, you know, hit with just insanity. But then, you know, um, 
it got really dark when I was physically dependent on um, the drug that I was actually selling. I became my own best customer. Uh, it was Oxycontin, and that progressed into heroin, crack, everything. Now, Oxycontin, we've, we've actually been involved with uh, people that have done documentaries on, on Oxycontin and didn't tour speaking about it. But that drug, for some reason, I mean, all drugs are gnarly, but that drug sucks the life and the soul out of people. Darkness. Absolutely. Any any uh, code of ethics, right, that I thought I had on the streets, which I know weren't even a, a high standard at all, um, I lost. It was gone. No morals. Um, I would, you know, rob anybody, anything just to make sure I wasn't sick for that day. Um, you know, a lot of corruption in that whole uh, scene, you know, getting prescription pills, a lot of... Uh, doctors that are probably worse than the drug dealers. I was going, you know, I don't yeah. want to say too much, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, we've heard we've heard all the stories of, of right. doctors and different people prescribing. I mean, we've had stories of doctors showing up backstage uh, to uh, some of the musicians we know to their concert to yeah. open a briefcase. All right, let's party. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, it's crazy, yep. as people mm -hmm. should know. Right. Um, all right, well, so here you are. You're in this... You're basically at, in a very gnarly place. Satan has full control of your life because he, he wants you to be a slave. He wants to give you the lust of the eye, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. And it's all to catch you and to kill you and make you just to bow down and, and be useless. He wants to suck the life out of you. And here you are. Was there, what was the pivotal moment when things changed, when you, when you found God, how that happened? Yeah, so um, I think towards the end, God was really after me. You know, I have friends that say he's the hound of heaven, and yep. he really was. Like, towards the end there, he was after me, and he was kind of stripping uh, all these things that might have been holding me back from actually recognizing him away. Mm -hmm. And my friends also have a saying, you know, sometimes he has to knock you on your back so you have no place to look but up. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that's where I found one. myself. I was living in my apartment in some summer beach town. Um, it's beautiful during the, you know, during the summer, but at, uh, in the winter, it's completely desolate. It reminded yeah. me of like the old cowboy movies where it's like, doo doo doo, uh -huh. and you see like oh, the, yeah. the wheat roll, whatever uh -huh. it is. No, the lights didn't even work. And I was on this dark block living in, in this little apartment by myself. Nobody was there because everybody's home in the winter. Nobody stays there in the winter but me. And I found myself, you know, um, on some really hard drugs and I overdosed, you know. Um, nearly died, woke back up, and I was like, what am I going to do? You know, how long was I sleep out for, pretty much? I woke up on my bathroom floor. Um, I counted the time from my last text message. It was about two hours. And then I remember my phone was blinking. I'm like, wow, I broke my phone. But I didn't have my phone on me. So then I look at the lights, and everything was flashing. It was just lack of oxygen. Fell out again. Um, came to about an hour later, and I was like, should I go to the hospital? I don't want to deal with the cops. I don't want to deal with the ambulance. You know what? I'm just going to go to bed. I'll be fine. Hopefully, I'll wake up tomorrow. I was never really had any su suicidal ideations, but at that point, I lost all hope. I couldn't get clean for the life of me, and I didn't even care. I was like, whatever happens, happens, and it was like a reckless yep. you know, type of suicide, and I just put 911 on my phone, and I was like, if I went and did the same stuff that made me fall out for nearly three hours at four in the morning, and this, you know, secluded area and I was like if, if I fall, feel like I'm going to fall out again I'll just press send and hopefully the cops will pick up the that, message come and get me that's called the deception from the enemy he's like oh yeah if you're going to fall out you'll, you'll push 911 you don't know yeah. you don't know I've OD'd three times and you don't know you just out that's it and you wake up so here's Satan just trying to take your life so what happens next 
Yeah, so even in that, I like to, um, you know, hone on this story because it was, I don't think I was possessed or anything, but there was definitely some sort of oppression, you yeah. know, there was just a darkness uh, in that apartment, obviously in drug addiction, you're not taking care of yourself, you're not taking care of the place you live, uh, and it, it, now looking back, I even get the chills thinking about it, it was like evil, just overcome me, fully under the yoke of Satan, right, I was fully working for him. Um, and God had a different plan f for me, and we'll definitely get, for, get to that, and I believe that's why Satan wanted me on his team, you know, and that's anybody that's not walking with the Lord. If you're not walking with the Lord, who are you walking with, You're right? on his team. <laughs> right. If you, if you, don't, if you uh, deny him here on earth, he's going to die in heaven. You, mm. have to, you have to confess him here on earth. You don't confess him here, you're, you're, you're against him. If you're not for him, he's against, you're against him is what Jesus says. Yeah. All right, we have 11 minutes left. How'd you get saved? And take me to you being out here in the Philippines. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I got into a really bad fight. Uh, you know, the kid got really, really hurt. I was looking at uh, anywhere from like 10 to 15 years. Dang, by by the on. grace of God, uh, I got probation. I got about five years probation. So those of you that um, know or don't know, well, you're on probation. You can't continue to get high. It just doesn't work. Nope. So I violated within like three months of my five years probation and got put back in jail. Yeah. And they were like, Aunt, you know, listen, we'll let you out and we'll remove the violation. And you have three months. You're on a three-month condition. you got to come back in three months and show us that you, you're doing good. And that is unheard of. Even the judge said that. Wow. So in those three months that I had to show the judge that I had, uh, was, was doing good, it was probably the worst three months of my life. I did the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. Caught more charges, kicked out of IOPs. Again, couldn't get clean for the life of me. Going in and out of detoxes was insane. Um, you know, so instead of going to the judge that was going to put me away for the rest of my probation, which would have been the five years, I just went to a place called U-Turn for Christ. Um, you know, it happened to be a Christian program. I, I had no relationship with God. Um, again, I didn't know any, really didn't know any Christians. And uh, I went in there and uh, I gave my life to the Lord. And within a couple of months, you know, everything that I was, uh, all my probation, all everything was just completely terminated. The judge seen I was doing what was right and got rid of it all. That's a miracle. Yeah. hundred percent. It was a miracle. Yeah. Okay. So now from that point, God's moving. What, what's going on in your mind and what, what direction do you take? So right away, um, that fulfillment that I was chasing at a young age, I was totally fulfilled, totally satisfied. Again, I lived in Miami. I had, you know, a decent amount of money. I had all the nice things that anybody think what they would want. And here I am in a house, u for Christ, with about, probably about like 10 to 15 sweaty guys living in a dormitory. <laughs> and I was, ha no cell phone, no nothing. And I was happier than I ever been. I yeah. remember picking weeds on my butt, just filled with dirt. And I'm like that, smiling. Yeah. Like, God <laughs> yeah. just grabbed a hold of me. And I knew he forgave me of my sins. And I was just set free and I was just on fire and I stood there for three years and, and uh, I, I haven't looked back since you know and that's, I want to jump in here because I've heard that story many times with different testimonies it's like, like Christian story is a pro skater and he got arrested for bringing in crystal meth from Hawaii to, to America, um, uh, California and he went to jail for, for years and, but he said when he found God and he gave his life to Jesus in the, in, the, in the prison he said he felt more free than he ever has in jail yeah. and you're the same thing on your butt dirty picking weeds just like yes this yeah. rules yep waking up next to sweaty dudes I didn't even care it was just <laughs> in the word every day discipleship it wasn't easy right we don't yeah. just come to know Jesus and get sprinkled magic Jesus dust and everything's yep. perfect but I knew this was the thing I was searching for this was the hole in the heart that was that it was missing that Jesus saw whole heart sounds so cliche sounds so corny but it's the truth but it's the truth <laughs> I, know, I love that I love it. it's true when, when you say these things you're like it sounds cliche but it is the truth <laughs> yeah yeah all right so then um okay so you're in teen challenge no sorry you're in u for christ 
and now you're in, you're you end up uh, coming across your wife you you somewhere somewhere along the path. Yeah, so um, you know I started as an overseer there for years. So yeah. um, there's two different phases of the program, but since I was an overseer, I was always with the first phase guys, and they have to go serve at other churches. So, so oh, I was I serving. Cool. Yeah, I was serving at these other churches. Uh, longer than I should have been, you know, because I was the overseer. I had to take them there, and that's where I met. I had I built really good relationships with all the people of all the different churches, and um, you know, this woman uh, named Evie, she actually cleans the church. Um, winded up introducing me to her, and um, you know, sure enough, the day you know I got married. Is well, the wait, day I, I got a question. Like, when mm-hmm. you see her, did you know? Like, were you, were you like? No. So here's the sickest thing. I was so serving God, you know, obviously living that lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kind of disconnected from it. Yeah, yeah never in my life have I, um, let's just say I wasn't focusing on, you know, relationships at that time. I was like, Evie, um, just focus on the ministry. It's a very demanding ministry. This is where I'm at. I don't need anything to distract me. And I'm not, no, like, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect, believe yeah. me. But what, just where God had me at that moment, I just was like, I'm not ready for that. So we didn't hit it off right off the rip. I was like, I'll meet her. I'll check, like you know, and and we didn't we didn't um, continue to talk. Then, like four or five months later, she got reintroduced. Like she said, she came to the church, and then we hit it off. And then you know, the timing. Yeah, it just timing. wasn't. Yeah, yeah. The God's timing. I've told people several times, you know, when people are looking for husbands and wives or whatever, and I said, you know, it's the timing. It's the right timing. Because I, you know, I met my wife. Not, uh, I met my wife like twenty years or something before I even married her. It was just once, just mm. off. I was just warm. Really? Yeah, but I wasn't ready for her. Yeah. She wasn't ready for me on the beach. It was crazy. So now, so you end up meeting her. You guys get married. Um, and now you guys are, you guys are sold out for Christ. And you had a heart to do, to be a missionary, she said. I did. You know, I never dated. Did you know where? No, I didn't. I just always have the desire to do more, do more. That whole thing that I said earlier where I'm all or nothing, like I get fixated on things. God uses that. You know, and um, I'm always just want to do more to serve God and serve his kingdom. So I was like, do me. I live in this place with uh, you turn for Christ. I can't prov- I can't be the boyfriend that you might want. Number one. So let's lay that on the table. Yeah. Like, I can't come home and, and watch the movies with you after a long day at work. I have to be home at nine o'clock. So God was so good. I used to pray, um, get my wife ready while I'm in here, get my future wife ready, disciple her while I'm in here. Yeah. I didn't think he'd actually introduce it to me while I was in the you turn for Christ house, which he did. And that even better, he knew because I needed that built-in accountability. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm. Hey, we all need. Yeah, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, now my wife, we're there to hold each other accountable, like you know, in, in some aspects. So yeah. uh, it's a blessing to be able to leave this uh, ministry and still, like you know, have that accountability. And and my wife's on point, and we and we 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 hold each other accountable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now you guys have landed out here in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. So, so what's, what's um, going on in your heart? What's going on in your mind? What's, what's, what's God doing in your life now? So, you know, he is faithful in little, is faithful in much, right? So he just continued to broaden my radius. I started off small, like I was telling Daniel the other day, I was like working as a janitor, cleaning toilets, whatever it was. I always wanted to do Bible studies. I always wanted to, you know, hit, hit the uh, rehabs, hit, hit uh, you know, be an evangelist. And as I left U-Turn, he brought in the, he brought in it, he brought in it. And I remember being like, but I want to do more. I want to do more. I want to, you know, be a missionary. I don't see God doing this. I just wasn't ready. Wasn't God's timing. And, um, you know, after pursuing and pursuing it, there was an open door to come here to the Philippines, you know? And, um, yeah, so we're here at CBI now and, um, you know, we're, we're learning the Bible and it's full immersion, uh, and, and missionary work essentially like a lot of outreach. I'm outreach minded. And you, I see you talking to people all the time. 
on the shore. Yeah, yeah. So like people like me and you, in my opinion, like, you know, it, it, we have a calling. Jesus tells us, he tells actually Nathan, I knew you before I called you out when you were sitting under the fig tree. Yeah. You know, it says the callings um, from the Lord are without repentance and irrevocable. So he uses our past stuff, you know, to bring us to him. So we could become workers for him. I think, mm -hmm. you know, we were saying sometimes the last verses are the best of, of the ones that people quote. And Ephesians 2, 8, uh, no, it's Ephesians 2, 10. He created us, uh, he's a work, he created us for his workmanship. Mm -hmm. So we could do good works for him before the foundation of the earth. Mm -hmm. So we all, you know, have a coin. And this is like when I'm most satisfied, when I'm out doing what I feel like God has called me to do, you know, how he naturally built me to be outside and um, bringing people to him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's what's up. That's what I like. Dude, that's awesome, man. Um, all right. Well, we only have like um, about a minute left. Uh, any, uh, any, well, look, Hey, let's, let's, let's lead some people to the Lord. There's some listeners right now. They're impacted by your wife's story, your story. Maybe they're here listening right now. And they're like, okay, I want to give my life to God. I'm done. I'm so tired of my life. It stinks. And I'm tired of being a slave to this addiction. I'm tired of being a slave to work. I'm tired of a slave to being uh, uh, to the world system. I'm burned out and I need God. And I want him to just show me he's real and use my life at whatever capacity. What's the starting point? What does one need to do right now? Well, first of all, um, you definitely want to you know, open your heart and ask Jesus to come into your heart. If you don't believe him, you don't have faith, just ask for him to show himself to you and he will do that. He's, he's done it to me. Also, you know, you don't want to stop there. We're called to turn from, you know, our sins, repent. John the Baptist talks about it. So it's not only just giving your life to him, but it's self-denial. Jesus says, if anybody wants to come after me, let him pick up his cross, right? That's a way of sacrifice back in the day. Deny himself and follow me. So it's it's twofold. Give your life to Jesus and turn from your old ways. Mm -hmm. Get connected. Get rooted in the church. Start reading the Bible. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Mm -hmm. We're not going to hear God's voice, like Ryan says, unless we read the Bible. Get discipled. Otherwise, we're just gonna we're just gonna fall away. We're gonna be slayed. You know, we got to be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And we need to be rooted in God's word and in the church. So you need to ask for forgiveness, like you said. Turn to Jesus. Say, forgive me of my sins. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I repent. I'm, I don't want to go that way anymore. And then you got to deny your body appetites, which is heading to the cross, and ask God to give you the power through the Holy Spirit now that is in you when you ask him to into your life. And then read the Bible so he can speak to you. Mm. That's basically it. It's that simple. And God will change your life. I mean, you've heard two stories in the last hour of two people from two different backgrounds that God got a hold of. And now they're sold out and God is using their life in a powerful way. And these people are the real deal. I've been hanging out with them every day on tour for like seven days straight. And um, it's legit. So I love you guys. Thank you for being on. Thank you for being on. Thanks, Thank man. your wife for being on. Um, I'm praying that God will continue guys to use you in the Philippines to bring a revival. Um, I truly believe that God is, uh, you know, he's going to do something with you guys here and he's going to use you. You're an evangelist. You, God has called you to that. And that's a voice. And, and here you are in the wilderness shouting and, and the best is yet to come for you guys as you continue to surrender and you ask him to show you what path to take. And we believe, you know, as, as we've been on this trip, we've experienced where God guides, God provides. Mm. And um, it's timing, though. Mm. It is timing. All right, guys, I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Go to Ryan Reese Official on my uh, YouTube. Subscribe and you'll get all the past shows. 
Go to thewhosoevers.com to book us to come out, The Whosoever's Movement. Our mission is the Great Commission. And also, I have a discipleship book called Kill the Noise. Killing the noise is all the distractions, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. Killing the noise is literally repenting and turning to God. And you will get disciples through this book. Your faith will grow. And by the end of the book, the last chapter is called No Posers. You will be full standing for Christ. I guarantee you. I love you guys. And I will talk to you guys next Saturday night. Peace. This has been The Ryan Reese Show. To connect and find out more about Ryan, Click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for The Ryan Reese Show.